So we've talked about a lot of industries here on the podcast in the last six months or so, from healthcare to finance to marketing and beyond. One facet of business that nearly any industry has in common is that they want to stay on top of news in their industry or market, whether it's understanding what a competitor's strategies are, whether it's understanding changes in the news related to their market or industry. Media monitoring is sort of a domain that machine learning is particularly well suited for. The ability to coax out headlines and contextual information and financial data from the ongoing and seemingly endless stream of social and blog and newsletter and newspaper information out there is a job that machines are much better suited for than human beings. And Signal Media is a company that does just that. Dr. Miguel Martinez is co-founder and head of research there. And in this particular interview, he dives into what the real business use cases are for media monitoring with machine learning. Not surprisingly, a lot of the early adopters here in terms of Signal's clients are in the finance space. I told them off the bat that this seemed like the kind of technology that people running hedge funds would want to have if they're investing in certain companies or certain countries. They'd want to have a real firm pulse on what's happening there. And there's certainly a lot of traction there. But Dr. Miguel Martinez talks about the applications beyond finance to sort of companies at large and where media monitoring can be useful and how machine learning applies itself there. So hopefully this will be an interesting interview for you. Without further ado, we're going to dive right in with Dr. Miguel. All right. So Dr. Miguel Martinez, first and foremost, media monitoring is what you do. I'm interested in you. We've talked to a wide swath of companies in the last you know six months really with kind of machine learning as a big part of their value prop, uh, info security, various and sundry marketing and segmentation applications, stuff selling into the public sector. Talk to us a little bit about what machine learning is doing in media monitoring as a field. What does media monitoring mean and how machine learning play its role, if you will? Sure. I think in order to explain media monitoring and how it has changed over the last two decades, probably, we have to go to the beginning. Sure. When the companies were tracking ventures on themselves, but for very specific reasons, they were checking the marketing or advertising campaigns and how well they did, and also to understand the perception of the company itself or the CEO in the press. Sometimes it was even a vanity exercise, in a way, with not a clear KPI after that. And it was a very manual process. I mean, we're talking about people reading, cutting physically with scissors and faxing printed news. And that was all right 20 years ago when you had 20 to 30 publications that were critical from the business point of view. We're talking about the New York Times, the Telegraph, etc. But most importantly, the news cycle, it was 24 hours because it was printed. So in the moment there's something in the news that affects your business, you have kind of 24 hours in order to come up with a response or in order to come up with a with a solution for the problem. That has changed dramatically. And at the moment, AI and machine learning are, I believe, the only possible way forward for media monitoring. And that's mainly because of three challenges in the current media monitoring, which are the scale, the speed, and the relevancy. So let, let me explain a bit more on it. Yeah, go for it, go for it. So the, the scale, I think, is an easy one to grasp. Internet is basically the largest ever data set created by humankind, and it keeps growing every day. Even the newspapers themselves are publishing way more than before. I mean, the Washington Post publishes a thousand articles a day. That's more than any intern can read in order to select the articles which are important. Yeah, wow. And there are two million blog posts a day. Again, it's, it's too big for humans to do it. And if you look at AI or machine learning, 
a system based on AI can read virtually an infinite number of articles, as long as you pay the costs and you have a good system. That's the scale problem. If we go towards the speed, so I mentioned before we had a 24-hour news cycle. Yep. That has changed completely. Once a crisis happens, you have a couple of hours tops to make a response at, and your PR and your communications office has to say something. So that means you need to be notified of or any problem as soon as the problem hits the, the newspaper or the blog or the social media. Uh, that's that's critical. It's 24 seconds cycle these days. Yeah. And again, that's impossible to be driven by humans. We are too slow. And that's even if you think about the English document. And maybe the the crisis came in France, and you have you need a French speaker to read it, then specialists from hmm. I don't know financial institutions to understand that it's critical for your firm, and then send it to the right person. All this with humans, it wouldn't be really possible. AI obviously can read process, deliver and articles really, really quick. Again, assuming you can pay for the cost and you have a good architecture. Just to give you a comparison, in the case of Signal, we process 2 million documents a day with two seconds per document. And we are not the only ones. There are many, many companies doing a lot of this kind of large scale processing. That's critical. And then we go to the relevancy, which from with my data science background is the most interesting one. Once you have this scale, and this problem with speed, finding the, the signal in the noise or finding the right information at the right time becomes extremely complicated. And you cannot do it just with humans. So an intermediate solution that has happened in the last, say, 10 years was to use search technologies, use Boolean queries and, and yep. keywords to filter down the information you search. So that helps a bit. But in a lot of the clear scenarios we have in the industry, Keywords are just not powerful enough. So I'll give you two examples. The first one is if you're an executive search firm, so you're looking at C-suite executives changing jobs for different companies. Yep. If you try to create a keyword or a Boolean query for that, you will start with something very reasonable, like fire or kick or step down or resign. But then you suddenly are going to get articles about football matches because of kick, and you're going to get articles about fires in a forest nearby. So you will start manipulating this keyword or this Boolean query to have fire, but not firemen, a kick, but not football. Yeah. And then you will miss documents because now you cannot track the head of the fireman brigade of Canada being fired. So it's it's a very semantic problem that keywords and Boolean queries are not suit for it. The other one is if you want to track a company, a very ambiguous company, like it could be Signal, for instance. It's extremely difficult. Even if you say media monitoring and signal, you might get an article about signal processing. Even if you say the name of the founders of the company, you will probably miss a lot of the articles related to funding. The same will apply with a location like Springfield. I mean, you have a lot 20 of Springfields in the States, I think, yeah, lots plus the one in the Simpsons, yep, yep. plus the retailer as well. So it's, it's, it's complicated. So the current technology before adding AI and machine learning doesn't really work that well. But once you add machine learning, you have things like topic classification in which you can process each one of these articles individually and decide if it's an IPO article or if it's about wearable technologies or if it's about merchant acquisitions, whatever is your topic you want to monitor, that could be done automatically. In terms of the companies or the locations or the people, the technology we use in the field is entity linking. When you can identify things like Apple the fruit versus Apple the company, 
or Michael Jordan, the basketball player versus the Berkeley professor. And the way the technology does it is both in topic classification and entity linking is by looking at the context of the world. So if Apple appears very close to Microsoft and very close to tech and very close to iPhone, the system will learn that basically that's likely to be the technology company, not the Apple the fruit that will be related to things like distribution, food. Exactly. Yeah. Obviously, this is not as simple in some cases. If you have a sentence, Michael Jordan has received yet another award by itself. Not even a human can know which one is that. No way. Yeah. But if now I tell you it's in a magazine that focuses on sports, now you can start getting these connections between not only the context, but also what sources are publishing this information. These kind of connections are very powerful. So to summarize in one sentence, I think AI is the only way for media monitoring to move forward because of the speed and the scale. It it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it seems like AI is the only way to move forward in a lot of hard problems that involve too much information and too much complexity for us to set like 400 hard rules and pretend as though they're going to cut the mustard for coaxing out what's going to be relevant for the human beings running the business. I think it makes sense that we'd have to have a better way that we'd articulate it. And I really am interested, Miguel, and first and foremost, for the folks tuned in, that's, I guess that's what it sounds like when someone actually reads the questions you're going to ask them in the, in the interview. They're, they're ready to go before you even have to ask the subtle in-between questions. So I appreciate that, Miguel. Not everybody does the same level of homework as yourself. I'm very interested. I think we have a little bit of a backdrop of how the right information, what we want to know about, whether it's competitive information, news releases or news about our own company, something about a particular industry or a particular person, the firing of executives, you know, a topic that we want to be notified of. I know that in the financial world, you know, the folks, certainly the hedge fund people have certain, you know, sets of relevant data that they're going to be interested in, whether that's, you know, economic Mm -hmm. activity in a certain country, whether that's behavior between different companies, people you know, need this kind of information. Like you said, you can't have an intern sitting there and combing through a million articles a day. Um, In terms of common use cases, I'm interested in what you guys see a lot of. You know, you're out in the streets, you know, selling this stuff, you know, selling to companies who need media monitoring. In terms of, of use cases that are most common, most frequent, the people who are really driving value from being able to coax immediate relevance from media, what are some of those common cases where the value is really evident and, and people are eager to jump on this? I think there are many use cases, obviously, for, for media sure, monitoring. For sure, for sure. But uh, yeah, we talk about, I mean, like, what are the ones that are most likely to put your kids through college? Let's put it that way. <laughs> so I like to put them in two, two different categories. The first one is tracking individual articles from things you know they're going to happen. And on the uh, other side, the discovering of unknown trends. And each one of these categories has a set of different use cases. So let me start with the tracking individual articles. Yeah, yeah. This is very similar to how um, media monitoring has been used for the last 20 years, even though with AI, obviously, we could be more efficient and more effective. But we're talking about things like reputation management, when you need to understand very well your space. So give me news about wearables, if I'm in a wearable space, about my company, because I need to understand the perception of my company Related companies that could be my partners, it could be my distributors, it could be my competitors. So that will give you a full understanding of the area you, you operate in, which is very important, of course. The second one, uh, which is similar, is crisis management. So the difference here is 
you will focus on one specific issue that you know is, has happened already, and you need every single point of view, and you need to act very quickly on it. That could be a product launch that didn't work as expected. It could be a corruption case. It could be some kind of problem with the company. Maybe someone is quitting. So you need to be very, very careful that you don't miss anything and you can react very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Then you also have campaign tracking. So obviously advertising, communications, and marketing are big, big buyers on media monitoring solutions. And they have to track and to prove that the campaigns they are actually putting out there are actually working and they are getting traction and they are being reshared in other other publications. But again, as I mentioned before, all those three cases, even though they are traditional, AI media monitoring is actually solving them better. But it's not a revolution yet. It's just a, a better way of doing things. When it becomes a revolution, from my point of view, is when you look at trend discovery or even future prediction using media monitoring. So this is the kinds of things you can only see on the aggregate of articles. So it's not one article at a time. If I give you all the articles about wearable technologies and you will have the time of reading them all and memorizing them all at the same time, you will be able to see trends. Obviously, that's close to impossible for humans, but for computers, it's something doable. And you can see very, very exciting use cases here like the seed, the perception of the brand and how it changes for a specific verticals or for a specific publications. You can see how some publication might be very good for you because they are positioning you in a very, in a very good way. Other publications might be actually detracting of your brand and you can track this over time in different geographies. You can also keep in track automatically of new trends on the space. So the system will be able to tell you there is an anomaly here. I haven't seen it before you should check this thing. It could be a new method. It could be a new competitor, which is key. If the system detects that there is a new entity getting more share of voice in the publications you care about in Germany, for instance, you might not be aware yet of that. But if the system wouldn't tell you today, you will probably be three months from now when this company is basically eating your benefits. So that's very, very important. And then if you go more to the social side, once you can read all the news, you can start seeing the opinion of publications about other publications or other countries uh, or other kind of country-to-country relationships because they're represented through the news in some level. Yeah, no, I'm I'm interested. We have a lot to dig into here. I'm going to dive into a couple of the particular use cases, maybe the marketing one in a little bit. But just to talk about the trend idea, I'm coaxing out use cases that I think a business audience like ours would be interested in and also that I, you know, CEOs like myself might be interested in. You're mentioning you can sort of see how you're being represented in various publications and if that's changing over time. So if I run you know, some big international company or even a reasonably sized company that gets a decent amount of coverage in, let's say, whatever it might be, Wall Street Journal or, or what have you, where you're getting at is that it is hypothetically possible to look at the sentiment surrounding your brand in that particular publication sort of day over day and maybe even month over month and being able to kind of stretch that out. When you said how the brand is being represented, my presumption is that there's some degree of sort of sentiment analysis and maybe being able to look at that over a time sequence for a particular publication in a particular company. Is this what you're referring to? Sentiment, I would say, is one of the aspects. I mean, obviously, you can track the sentiment with respect to each one of the companies over time, which is very valuable in some cases. But what is sometimes more important is how are the publications describing you? So if you 
used to be referred. So what are the main keywords that appear mm-hmm. with your brand? Before it might have been innovation, it might have been risk taker, it might be, I don't know, in- innovative. And now suddenly you're becoming more of a robust company or a growing company. That's critical for the folks in communications. Because you can see, you might want to be perceived as an innovative company. The question is, is the last campaign you launch successful enough so that the newspapers are changing the way they write about you? Ah, interesting. Okay, okay. So we can say generally, you know, we can list whatever the the top 20 publications are that we care about. And we can say, how have we historically been referred to? Hey, 12 months ago, these are the most common keywords sort of surrounding our brand, you know, across the, the publications we care about. Now it's this. Is that good? Is that bad? What do we want to do about that? What you're getting at is, is that that context can be coaxed out. Okay, so that that's quite interesting. That's an interesting and useful application. You had also mentioned, you know, the identification of a new entity. So are you saying that it's possible to say, hey, I want to cover everything in soaps and shampoo in Switzerland or something? You know, just some completely <laughs> yeah. arbitrary segmentation here. You know, here's the brands that I really want to follow the reputations of and how how much coverage they're getting and what people are saying about them. You're saying it's also possible to sort of leave the door open to be notified of new brands, new specific entities that are gaining a particular share of voice. So, hey, 12% of the articles, you know, within this two-week period in Switzerland were about this new brand that you don't have a filter for, but you might want to check them out. Is this the kind of use case you're referring to? Exactly right. So the idea would be that the system can identify entities either by linking them to a knowledge base. So you, that could be Wikipedia, could be your internal database. So you know exactly who they are. And they might appear in the news, but they didn't appear before. So the system can compare the distribution of how often they appear now versus in the past. And anything which is significant, it will be shown to you. But even more important than that, if you use NLP technologies, you could check the language itself. So you can identify, even if you don't know anything about a new company, you can identify that it's used possibly as an organization in sentence because of the role it plays in the syntactic relationships. And you can say, well, this name has appeared a lot. We believe it's a competitor or at least a company. You should check it out. So there's a lot of this trend detection, anomaly detection, and even time series analysis technologies that help us with these solutions. Yeah, it sounds as though there's a little bit of prep here in terms of maybe getting our own, you know, if a company's going to be setting something along these lines up, their communications department maybe, or marketing department, or I'm not sure exactly who would be sort of in charge of this kind of thing, but they might want to have their own database tracking the major entities, maybe it's competitors, maybe it's major media firms. Normally, who's handling that within a business, sort of your your own database that you're sort of referencing against and maybe updating with this kind of technology? So in our case, we rely on public knowledge bases like Wikipedia is one of the major okay. ones we have. Got it. Yep, yep. We are working with others or trying to work with others, uh, things like AngelList and, and more specialized ones. But we also have created our internal training. So if there are any entity that any of our clients care about, we can create an entry in our system for it, and it will be identifying the news for that point. Got it. Yeah, and I imagine that there would be some kind of bespoke applications for companies at this point with this kind of newer uh, 
technology that's seemingly kind of par for the course for a lot of this stuff. Interested in a couple of these other applications you brought up, Miguel, you've already talked about so many of them, I feel like I really want to hop into (laughs) a few. You talked about looking at the results of a marketing campaign, for example. You know, if a company wants to understand how well their marketing is doing, of course, there's some cases if you're doing maybe really direct targeting in some way where you could really just look at you know, how many impressions, what's our click-throughs, what's our conversion on page, and then what's our conversion from web form to phone call, and then, you know, yada, yada, and, and we can kind of calculate that. I guess what you're referring to is, how did that marketing campaign influence how we are being talked about, what people are saying about us? Walk us through maybe an example. You don't have to use a real company if you don't want to, but maybe you can sort of use a farcical company in some random industry and, and talk about mm-hmm. what sort of nuanced details we'd want to be picking up on after spending a couple million bucks in a marketing campaign over, let's say, Q2, Q1, whatever. Yeah, sure. Imagine that a company wants to do, I don't know, create a gigantic inflatable balloon in the middle of a city with the logo in. So it's a big event for them. And they tell a lot of the newspapers because that balloon has something special. Uh, so the idea with it, with tracking this would be how many of the publications we tell about this have actually published about it. So the first thing is, who are the publications who mention us in the press? That's, yep. again, like closer to reputation management even. But then once those people publish, who picked that story up? So how did the story develop over time? Because people, there is a, a huge degree of syndication and stories written because other, other publications wrote them. Yes, yes. And you can see how a story has some life in a way. And it goes from very small publications to very big ones or the opposite at different times. So that's critical for the marketing and the communications to see, one, how we are perceived. So what do they say about this marketing campaign? How often is it written or how many publications have actually talked about this? Have we made any of the tier one, even though we didn't speak with them before? So see that how it disperses over that's one of the key factors for them and to understand how powerful it was and if it was powerful enough you can basically explain that the amount of money you paid for it it was really good because you hit these specific publications which have a demographic which is what you want for potential clients and it was more interesting or or better suited than actually paying for an advertising in the newspaper itself Ah, okay, okay, got it. So, so you can say, you can determine how you want to measure success, and that's going to be different for any company. But you could say, all right, well, we let these 30 publications know about this big blimp that we're going to release over this park for this crazy launch event or whatever it might be for our brand or a new product or something. And here's the publications that actually wrote about it. And here's the publications that wrote about it because these other publications wrote about it. So you know, we might be able to kind of follow the trail of media traction here. In other words, yeah. these people syndicated this article, and then these people quoted that syndicated article and wrote something different, and then it actually got covered on this bigger publication with a quote from that third marketing piece. So it looks like you know maybe we're going to want to start by hitting the small blogs about this kind of event because it seems like a lot of these little guys are building enough hype to kind of get this to trickle up to the larger media under the certain circumstance or something. Is, is this the kind of use case we're talking about? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and this also relates to the fact that you can track the share of voice for different companies. So do I have a higher share of voice? So do more people talk about me than my competitors because of this marketing campaign? Because that, that's critical about do people talk about me more than my competitors is yeah. one of the major questions for them. Yes, yes, indeed. Share of voice is a big deal. We learned that recently in the United States. 
<laughs> when you when you mention share of voices, it's a simple ratio. Like, hey, number of mentions by brand name, number of articles written about brand name. Is this how share of voice is measured? I imagine almost anybody running a business is interested in what is their share of voice compared to, let's say, their top 10, top 20 direct or indirect competitors. Talk about how that's calculated. Yeah. Well, at the moment, because we process every single one of the documents individually in, the, in our data processing pipeline, we actually know every single time, every single one of the entities and, and the keywords in the system is mentioned in there. So we can very easily trace the, the absolute numbers between different companies. Some people care about the absolute number. Some people care about the absolute number within a specific set of publications. So I might not care that you're mentioned more, but I care about who is mentioned more in the top 10 tier one UK publications. But the majority of the people care about the absolute numbers and be a voice out there because this is what it matters. Yeah. Curious. I can imagine, I mean, almost without exception, that's going to be relevant for whatever business you happen to be in. Again, if you're getting most of the attention, unless it's all bad, you know, that's, it's likely to be a good thing, at least in some regard. And it's certainly worth tuning into as kind of a main metric to track. I imagine companies who get deeper into this rabbit hole will have to come up with new metrics they'd want to track and come up with. Maybe one more, Miguel, before we wrap up, kind of very common application. We talked about marketing. I just asked you about share of voice. You know, we talked about getting notifications of new competitors in the field or news related to, let's say, yourself or a competitor in a specific field. What sort of major, if you're going to pick maybe one other big one, major application of media monitoring maybe have I missed and that we could talk about in a hypothetical example to see how machine learning is doing its thing? Another one on top of the ones we have been talking in there. I mean, I think pr prediction for the future is the one linking to the detection of patterns. Uh, yeah, this is so interesting. What, really interesting. Go ahead. Talk about so, that. Yeah. So one of my friends is kind of a foodie and he was mentioning that because of the technology we have and the data we have, we can very easily list the types of food mentioned in recipes in a San Francisco newspaper. And if we can see the things like avocados or any of the new super seed are mentioned more and more and more in the recipes or in the very important bloggers, we can predict based on the past that they will become very popular. First in the States, probably. So the supermarket will need to provide that for the clients and potentially that will make it to Europe based on past scenarios. We can see that the trends that happen in there related to food are very well represented in the blogs uh, first, then they make it to the shops and then they cross the Atlantic to Europe. So that's, that's one of those things, which is not that much business related even, but you can see the power of, if you can listen to all the news, you can see how things will go potentially in the future. The other one, which is quite interesting, maybe more long-term, it's if I'm in a situation when there has been a case of corruption in my company, I can ask the system, can you give me the most recent cases in the last 20 years when there was something similar to this? And let me know what happened when people issue a correction or when people actually the CEO went publicly or when suddenly someone was fired. So can we look at the past based on the news of the world to see what are the potential implications and then potentially decide what to do? Huh, yeah, that's curious. Well, I guess that's why we read history, I think, and biography in some regard. Exactly. But to be frank, I'd much prefer to just be in a situation and ask, like, what would Vanderbilt do in this circumstance? You know, like, <laughs> what would, like, yeah. uh, just stream every, you know, great industrialist biography and be able to figure out kind of what the best use cases are. I guess what you're saying is, you know, similar circumstances, maybe in a similar industry of this kind of corruption type event, 
what are the different ways that it's been handled, and then what might that entail for what we want to do. Maybe with this kind of a circumstance, it's best to address the media in this particular designated way and not to do these two or three things because it seems like that draws too much attention to the negative. Yeah, Ah, definitely. Interesting. Okay, so calibrating how you should be responding to the media based on what seems to have worked in similar circumstances. And just lastly, to kind of get a context on that, is that as simple as, you know, you said the last 20 years or what have you, is that as simple as finding some sort of type of query or contextual type of query to be able to find out a particular kind of corruption, like a particular kind of, whether it be laundering or whether it be, you know, whatever whatever the case may be, would we simply find the proper way to query our, our massive combed set of historical data here? What would we be doing to look retrospectively and say, where did this kind of event happen? How would you get to so that? Imagine you start from the point that you know the people mentioned, so you know unequivocally who is in there, which companies they work for, which industries they work for. So that's the beginning, because you have processed all these documents. You know exactly which topics these documents belong to, and you have more information like scores for all the other ones that it doesn't actually belong to. So you start looking backwards using both search engines technology and find the story or the, the set of stories that matches the closest semantically almost to that one, still an open problem. It's very complicated, especially when you talk about years and years of data. For sure, but yeah. The idea is if you can represent that you have a corruption case within the automobile industry, and then you put some of the content of the article in, you will get some decent results already. And then that might you might take the top thousand and then give it to a human to do a first curation, or you might just actually improve the model even more and go to more clearly semantic knowledge. But as I said, there's so many technologies that we can try to yep, solve that yep, problem. Yep. But at least it's possible today, certainly more so than it would have been if you're just searching the search engines for specific keywords. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that would yep. be extremely difficult to do because you uh, don't really know what to search for to begin oh, no, with. No, no way. Yeah. It's interesting to see what the actual possibilities and, and opportunities are. And Miguel, I sincerely appreciate you being able to kind of paint a picture of how media monitoring is mattering in business. I think that's what the audience was looking for. And I'm glad we got to cover that. Miguel, thanks so much for joining us on the Tech Emergence podcast. Thank you. Pleasure. That wraps up today's episode here on the Tech Emergence Podcast, and thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to stay in touch with our latest interviews with C-level executives and top researchers and thinkers in the domains of AI and the intersection of technology and intelligence, then make sure to subscribe here on iTunes or visit us on our main website at techemergence.com, where you can see all of our interviews broken down by category, as well as articles, news, market research, and trends in artificial intelligence. If you found this episode particularly thought-provoking, feel free to leave your thoughts in a review here on iTunes, or you can feel free to reach out to us at our main website. Thanks, as always, for tuning in, and I'll catch you next week.